Hey everyone, this is Amos for Just Being Amos Podcast. I have Brad with me for the Confirmed Epic Podcast, and we're going to talk about Justice League, and we're going to give reviews and everything like that, and also we're going to give you spoilers. And we're also going to talk about the Marvel Shake-Up this past week. I hope you guys enjoy the podcast. Hey everyone, this is Amos for Just Being Amos Podcast, another great podcast upon you guys. Today's guest is Brad Podcast, Epic Podcast, is that right Brad? The confirmed Epic Podcast, the official podcast of the EpicReview.com. I'm the real Brad Bell and I'm honored to be back on the Just Being Amos Podcast. It's, it's been a long time, man. I think the last time was Wonder Woman. Yeah, that was like um in June, right? That was June. Yeah, June second, Wonder Woman came out, and it it brings the DCEU to bring me and you together on your podcast. Once again, you're right, Brad, because on uh, last time we talked about Wonder Woman. Before that, we'll talk about Batman versus Superman, which we really don't care much about, but that's another story in itself. I think you just bring me on here so there won't be somebody just shitting all over the. DCEU the whole time. What it is, Brad, because you know I'm very critical about the DCEU. And you know, you, you know, you don't have no kind of uh, I think you're a bigger fan than I am, so yeah. I brought you along on this podcast. Yeah, I don't have as big of a beef with it as not just you, but a, a lot of people do. But no, no, it's great to be here. What's going on, Amos? Well, what's going on, Brad? Is um really quick you know so i haven't really been podcasting like i was supposed to as life happens right yeah lately i've been um comic book collection back to what it need to be so it's it's a hassle man this could be a two-month project yeah you sent me some pictures of that it looked like a yeah, showroom floor. It looked like somebody coming in to sit up for a comic book convention. There was so much stuff there. How long have you been collecting? Uh, on and off, probably years of my life, 25 years of my life. Give or take, or 30, give or take. Yeah, it's uh, it, it was it's impressive. The thing about single issues, like I know you collect and I collect too, and I've been off and on since two thousand, probably two thousand three, whenever House of M came out, is when I really got into comics big time. And that there's really no good way to store. I mean, you put them in long boxes, but they're just stowed away in a closet. It's not like a graphic novel where they look good on a bookshelf. And then, you know, a graphic novel, you know, it's good on a bookshelf. But when you have single issue, man, a lot of space, a lot of space. These long boxes, short boxes, books I haven't even put into my long box yet, you know. Currently, you know, it's currently out. I'm still in my long box and stuff like that. But that's what I've been up to, you know, trying to get the, my collection going on and podcasting, you know, more episodes. So that's why I called you. You said, "Yeah, I said, Brad, yo, let's do the Justice League podcast because you know I really didn't do any. What I say, 
DC reviews like I supposed to. I did Suicide Squad when it came out and Wonder Woman. I didn't do a Man of Steel. I didn't really do a Batman versus Superman. But Justice League, you know, the reviews and everything like, like that, you know, the mixed reviews itself. Yeah, I'm very, very critical about the DCEU right now. The good thing is with your own podcast, you can always go back and review older movies. So if you ever want to go back and review Batman versus Superman or Man of Steel, which we, if you want to check out the confirmed epic podcast, we reviewed all those and we reviewed Man of, I mean, excuse me, we reviewed Batman versus Superman twice because we did the normal edition, which was a two hour review. Then we did the ultimate cut, a review of that. So I'm not trying to be too promotional, but you can uh, check those out. Oh, you go ahead and plug your stuff in, man. Come on now. Hey, oh, speaking, of, welcome to. speaking of that, uh, if you're watching on YouTube, I'm wearing the Confirmed, Confirmed Epic Podcast hoodie. You can pick these up for 30 bucks at the Real Brad Bell slash user slash tpublic.com. That's R-E-E-L, Brad Bell. But, Amos, I know that you got some Marvel stuff you want to talk about today. So what's been going on in the wide world of Marvel here? Yeah. Marvel? Alright, so the, uh, well, this podcast is mostly for just the Justice League review, and we're going to talk about the shakeup in Marvel. Yeah. And this past week, Marvel once well before that before this week, then Brian Bendis left Marvel and signed with um, DC Comics. That's a change for Marvel because you know, there's actually was like the architect for this current um, state of Marvel's in, you know, as far as their books and characters. Uh, Marvel did another shakeup, man. They um, changed editors in chief. Axel Alonso left, stepped down, whatever. Um, CB, I think I said that right. Axel yeah, so Alonso. Now, um, Bill on Sabolski, and name right. So he's a new editor in chief. Wow choice for him to be the new editor-in-chief and uh you know he's been talent liaison he's going over international stuff with marvel trying to get their brand out there and uh he's been pretty good man it's a great choice to high in-house i've been with the company for a while wow why do you think axel left i don't know man because you know lately though you, you know when marvel changed marvel comics changing their landscape of you know diversity and stuff like that the fans me included changes he did with the characters you know some were good you know some was out there wasn't that wasn't that good yeah but, yeah so i think it was time for a change, and you know he's I, he might be going somewhere else. I'm not for sure. And I didn't know he was with Vertigo before he came to Marvel. You know he was in Vertigo before, and I think what it is, man, a lot of the traditional characters. And I think with um CB coming, man, we might end up getting that back again. You know the traditional way of te- comic book telling. Well, you're already getting some of that with uh, Marvel Legacy, but Bendis not being there is a huge dent. You know, like Joe Casada when he was the editor in chief, he brought in all the guys like Bendis, the the Ed Brubaker uh, of the world. Yeah, fractions like 
Alonzo has brought some people into Marvel, like, you know, Sarah Pichelli has been there. The artist was brought in. That was a big bring-in. Jeff Lemire right. was brought into Marvel under uh, Axel Alonzo. But Charles Soil. Soil? Soil? Charles Soil. So yeah, he yeah he yeah, he bought it. So uh, Aaron, but these, Aaron, Jason, Aaron. You know what I think Marvel's biggest problem is on the comic book side. I think they're trying to make the comics too much like the movies. Like I think in the past, they like during the Joe Casada days. Those things were great templates that you can make movies off of, like Civil War or Siege or something like that, uh, Age of Ultron. And and now it feels like they just want – the movies are so popular, right? They're the definitive version of these characters for everybody who doesn't read comics. So they're trying to make the comics more like those, when I think they just need to let the Marvel comics be the comics, and then they can pull – from these organic ideas and make movies out of, because right now you're just kind of going to get to a stalemate. Agree with you. Agree with you on that. You know what I'm saying? That the, the, what the comics are doing are following the movies. It shouldn't be that way. You know, the movies should follow the comic book, follow those stories, you know, and they, they have done a lot, man, with the, um, the comic books, man, they, Catering to the movies most of the time. I really don't like that. I think I think they need to be separate. Yeah, I totally I will agree say with this. you on that. With one thing that excites me because I know we're talking about the new editor in chief uh, at Marvel replacing Axel, but the one big thing about Bendis going to DC that excites me is I think he's going to lay the foundation of like five to seven years worth of good DC stories that maybe one day can become very good DC movies because he's been one of the brain trust at the retreats has come up. I know he didn't write civil war. That was Mark Millar, but at the same time, he, he helped come up with the overarching plot threads that have defined, that defined Marvel through the early two thousands. I totally agree with it. If you go back and look at some of the books that he written and he's a part of, you know, that the summit, they always meet up and come up with the ideas of which which direction they want the books to go. Bendis, man, he you can see each book that he written that was writing the books. Every last one connected, if you look at it, from the first, the Avengers Disassemble, and then you had Secret... Um, secret, not Secret Empire, um, Secret Invasion. Secret, no, 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 it was before that. It was for that. It was uh, it was this book. It was this mini series he Secret, did. Secret Wars. Secret Wars. Yeah, they yeah. did that, and then that led into uh, Civil War, then Secret Invasion, Siege, Dark Reign. I mean, Dark Reign. It's all that stuff connected. It was a a, a continuing narrative. Yeah, you know, he made that world. He seventeen, thirteen, seventeen, eight, seventeen years, man. And he was the architect of the Marvel Universe in the comic books, man. I'm like, if you think of Marvel at that time, y'all would heard Brian Bendis, Ed Brubaker, Matt Fraction. And those were the architect of the uh, Marvel Comics at the time in the 2000s. So with him going to D.C., I think that's a great move. 
And I was just thinking, man, I said, what characters can he really do? And I thought about Batman. Yeah. You know, he actually, he good with the grounded superheroes. You know what I'm saying? Spider-Man, Luke Cage, and all those guys. And I think doing, doing a, a book like for Batman, a vigilante that's grounded, I think he could do a pretty good job of doing that. I'd like to see my opinion. On, I'd like to see him on Batman. I would like to see him on Justice League. I hope they give him Justice League. That's what I, as good as DC Rebirth has been, and it's been really good. The Justice League books have just been they've been okay, but I would argue that they were probably better in the New Fifty Two with Jeff Johns when you had Trinity War and Dark Side War and all that stuff. So I, I hope they put him on Justice League. I think that'd be a great idea. You know, I, I have haven't been reading Justice League. I well, I'm, I'm so far behind reading Justice League, but um, what I read, it was okay. It's it's like you said, Rebirth has been great for DC, but I think Justice League, to me, in my opinion, has not been a good book. It's been okay. See that, and that shouldn't be the case. The Justice League, same with the Avengers over at Marvel. Like those books should not just be okay. That's your flagship title that's the book that you can spin movies out of one day and and that's just not that's not a team books aside from the x-men they're making a comeback but team books overall are not great right now individual books pretty good um, you know it's right some of the team books not good but like you said in marvel x-men have made a comeback you know with the x-men gold and blue and starting to x-men now the return of wolverine so now we might see something coming up next year of how Wolverine plays a bigger role now back since he's back. But like I said, man, Bendis, I think, would do well for a Batman series of doing Batman or Detective Comics. Because, you know, Detective Comics now is just a team book. Yeah. So I think he could do pretty good with those characters. I so. think James Tynion's done a good job with Detective. I, I've enjoyed what the- he's done. Yes, but you know what? They gave him the keys, man. You see what's, what happens. You know, you no, know, he's he's a good writer, man. So we we'll see. Yeah. So the topic of this podcast, guys, is we're gonna be talking about Justice League. The world remains in mourning after the death of Superman. Violence, acts of war, and terrorism are all on the rise. I had a dream. It was the end of the world. Invasion. I think it's something more. Something darker. We're asking people we don't know to risk their lives. Strong man as strong as alone. You ever heard that? That's not a saying. That's the opposite of what the saying is. Divided. We are not enough. The world needs Superman. why I brought you together. Ride ain't over yet. I'm mad. Oh! 
we're going to give some uh, spoilers. You want to mind with spoilers, right, Brad? You want spoilers? Oh, yeah, yeah, that's fine. Yeah, let's do spoilers from the get-go because that's, that's what we really need to get into to dissect this film. Right, right. So I'm going to go put a little facts right quick, you know, about how Justice League did last week. Now, I was reading reading an article. Was it, I think, Rotten um, Tomatoes? It, it was an article. I don't know which, which one it was. But they reported that <laughs> Justice League made $93 million over three-day three day weekend, right? Yeah. Four days, including Thursday. And it was $93 million, man. That's way off from even getting – they didn't make 100 Wonder Woman made you know, a hundred and that's, that's what I'm saying. Wonder Woman, a solo movie. <laughs> this is a movie with a ensemble cast with a, a group of people. Ninety-three million. Come on, man. I mean, come. And I think it took two hundred fifty million to make. I might be wrong. Two hundred fifty or three hundred million. Because they had to do a lot of reshoots and all this stuff to uh, get this product out. And then I was. Then I looked at the uh, the making of the, how much they made. And they're like, damn, this is not good. You know, at least on one on the weekend, a four day weekend, man, at least go over a hundred million. They even make it to a hundred million. Amos, you know that the budget so, for this film was three hundred million. The marketing cost a hundred fifty million. So this movie's budget was four hundred fifty million dollars. They're not gonna make it in two weeks. No way. I don't know. They're I mean, not gonna make. They'll be lucky to break even. Well, well, well you know what? The, uh, hopefully, with um, Warner Brothers in DC, that this Thanksgiving break, they may be better. You know, Happy Thanksgiving, by the way. Today's Thanksgiving. <laughs> yes, it is. Thanksgiving. Doing a podcast on Thanksgiving Day. That's right. Who needs yeah, football so- when you can podcast on Thanksgiving? <laughs> right. Right. So, I mean, you know, hopefully the Thanksgiving weekend, man, make that number be better. But then again, you got other movies out this week, you know? You got Wonder. Um, what's the one with Denzel Washington, Israel, Esquire? You got other movies out there, right? Yeah, the, but this is, the, this is the big movie of the Thanksgiving holiday. Like, if it doesn't do well over Thanksgiving holiday, it'll be interesting to see how Warner's reacts. And that that sets the um going forward, man. For like Aquaman, The Flash, and Cyborg, those movies, you know, they decide if they want to make those movies. Um, I think Aquaman's already in production. I think. Yeah, but it's for all, the it's Flash, in, it's in post. I think. Yeah, so with uh, the Flash and Cyborg, I mean, they might have to can those movies, man. If, they, if this doesn't do well, Aquaman's already got a sequel coming. They're going to make. That's one. That's the only one that really had positive uh, reviews, man. It, yeah. Hopefully, Thanksgiving weekend can at least increase their numbers. You know, week. And also, it, and Rotten Tomatoes didn't make it any better, man. For forty-one percent, <laughs> I'm like, damn. I I want to say this. Dude. This movie. This movie is not. 41% bad. That is ridiculous. Like, I don't see how Thor Ragnarok, which I enjoyed. It was a really good movie, okay? I don't see how Thor Ragnarok gets 92%. That's two points below the Dark Knight, dude, which most people consider to be the gold standard of superhero movies. But this gets 41%. 
Like Thor Ragnarok's not 92% good and Justice League's not 41% bad. And that they, they kind of screwed them over because they waited to reveal the score and with their new like Rotten Tomatoes is doing some kind of online show now. And they held the score for longer than they would have. And I read that article, man, because the, the day of that Thursday, Justice League um, premiering, Justice League did not have a, um, a Rotten Tomato score at first. And I said, what the hell is this, man? What's going on? So later it was like 50%. I'm like, oh, crap. I was like, oh, crap. I mean, it was just going down and down. But then back to 41%, man. The third, out of all the DCEU movies, Wonder Woman was 92%. What's what? Um, Superman, no, Man of Steel was 55%. Superman and Suicide Squad were both 27%. Yeah. That not, is not a great percentage at all. Yeah, these movies are like averaging out to be about fifty percent of people like them. But I, I, I'm a apologist for the DCEU. I think one of the big problems with uh, this is something I want to talk about on my podcast. We're going to do our review tomorrow, but I think DC is too reactionary. Like I, I really think that like they they hear the fans, which is cool. I'm glad they listen to the fan base, but they need to pick a tone, pick a plan, and stick with it. This is the thing that really bothers me when they're starting through the extended universe. And we got to give Marvel their their props and their credit. They're the first to do this. So everybody, like we said in our previous podcast, everybody want to follow suit. They want to do the same thing. DC reactionary man, and this out strategically. They should have planned this pretty good. Man, the plan was not good at all at first. How much, how well Marvel was getting received by the critics and fans. So they decided, hey, we can do the shared universe and go do this, right? And it was no forethought. I mean, we do this. They decided to do a standard universe. You remember that, right? After Man of Steel. Yeah, yeah, I, that was uh, one of the things that bothers me is so many people complained about the tone of Batman versus Superman being dour, right? So what what do they do? They change the tone. They lighten it up a lot for this film. And this movie makes like half the money that BVS made opening weekend. And it's like, well, you, you might as well just have stuck with the tone you had because – the results were worse than they were when you had the darker tone. Yeah, I, you, you, I totally agree with you on that one. And, you know, like we said in this movie, man, this movie was halfway, it was done when Zack Snyder left. He, it was it was done. And he it left just, because there was a tragedy. I mean, his daughter right, committed yeah. suicide, and it wasn't like he was pushed off the project by Warner Brothers. And then they brought in Joss Whedon, which I think was a mistake to bring in Joss Whedon because then you're almost just given in to being like Marvel. It's like, okay, how can we make this like Avengers? And what you pretty much get is the Avengers, right? Instead of Loki, you get Steppenwolf. Instead of Shatari, you get Parademons. Instead of the Cosmic right. Cube, you get the Mother Boxes. Like, it's the same movie as Avengers, pretty much. Yeah, I, yeah, it really is. Yeah, it really is. Because when I was looking at 
at the movie and I was looking at the credits, the credits it has screenplay by Zack Snyder and Josh Whedon. I was like, okay, I thought Josh Whedon was also the director. They had a task at hand. I mean, come on. I mean, this, he had to like really do a lot of stuff with this movie. You know, and he did it like like you said, Josh Whedon did an excellent job doing the first Avenger. Oh yeah. He had problems with right. Marvel, that's not what that was not him. So him coming to this movie here, Justice League, man, he had a hot, a whole lot to do. Hey Amos. Um from a director from a writing standpoint. Like done. Like this movie tone was so dark. Weeping in it, you know, he has a little humor to um his movies, right? Yeah. In the um in certain scenes in the movie. Right? Like in the first half of the movie, it's like the the tone, the dark tone and the dower, whatever. But then you and then you see the scene with Wonder Woman. Wonder Woman in the beginning. It was another scene. It was like in the middle of the movie, then you start seeing Josh Wheaton stamped on the movie. Yeah, so, I like like the lasso of truth scene. That was a very good scene, but that's that's a Josh Wheaton scene. Like you can tell anybody that knows him, his writing style from Buffy, from the Avengers, from whatever. Like you that was a great moment. It was funny. And that was a that was a scene that Zack Snyder would never do, probably. And that this is that's what I'm talking about. Even the scene with the mother boss was super Full alert was Superman showed up and have Cyborg separate the mother boss. And when it exploded and they were cracking about Cyborg so I could feel my feet and said, uh, man, I, I should have died. You know, we're cracking about dying. And that, that's a typical Josh Wheaton um, jokes, you know, humor. I'm going to say like, something. Okay. I want to say something that's going to be controversial. And What's that? Um, I think Josh Whedon is overrated. Right. On my podcast, it's going to be controversial on my podcast. Come on, yeah. man. Yeah, and I'm sorry. I didn't mean to cut you off. There's kind of a delay in audio. So sometimes when I think you're quitting talking, that you're not done talking. So I'm not trying to be a jerk to all the listeners that are just being Amos podcast. If it comes across that way, I apologize. Uh, anyway, Josh Whedon, I think, is a little bit overrated. He's did three superhero movies, right? Uh, the Avengers. You had a MacGuffin, the Cosmic Cube. I know I've said this already. You had a, a army, the Shatari, right? And you had Loki pulling the strings, okay? Then the next one, Age of Ultron, you have Ultron and the Ultron box, and the MacGuffin is the soul gem that's in Vision's head, right? And then in this one, we've right. already mentioned Parademons, Mother Boxes, Steppenwolf. Like, he's made the same movie three straight times. And is he good at writing character moments? Yes, he is. But I think when it comes to doing more than a one-off story, and I know these team-up movies are very hard to do because you got to have a lot of enemies to fight to bring all these guys together. Um, I, I mean, he's good at character moments, but I really wonder what Zack Snyder's Justice League would have looked like. Not the end product that we see today. I mean. It won't be like it is now. Oh, hell no. It'll probably kill Superman off again. <laughs> I'm sorry, but I mean, or killed off them, uh, what, Cyborg. Who knows, man? Because, you know, his his tone is so dire and dark, and his humor is not – Oh, I doesn't like the humor in his movies. So. He don't have humor. What humor, dude? It's not. He doesn't. 
Yeah, he does. He have a he, he just don't like superhero movies. It seems like to me. Why direct the movie superhero movie if you don't care for it? He's not a fan of the genre. He seen Jack Zack Snyder, and we've talked about him a ton over the past two three years. He's a great visual storyteller. He's not a great storyteller. I'm, I'm gonna borrow this from my friend Evan uh, True Love, who's a friend of our podcast and been on there before. He was talking about Justice League with me earlier this week, and he said Zack Snyder is a guy who reads the comics but doesn't read the words. He just looks at the pictures and makes a movie out of it, and it looks stunning. But I, I would argue this movie does not look stunning. For as bad as Man of Steel was, I mean, sorry, as is, I like Man of Steel. Let me just clarify. For as bad as many people think Man of Steel and BVS were, those movies they were dark in tone, but they looked great visually. And I'm gonna I'm gonna um right um, agree with you on something. What? Oh yeah, I'm gonna agree with you. <laughs> All right. Okay. My thing is this, man. When I was looking at this movie, man, friend Mar Bagley, shout out to Mar Bagley. We both went to see this movie, and we both agreed on this: the CGI was not good. It was not good, man. Stephen Wolf was horrible. I'm sorry. Yeah. Even the Parademons was not good. It was awful. I had a problem with Cyborg CGI, man. It was just the CGI was not good. For those, it was not good at all. We totally agreed on that. And, and I'm back to Steppenwolf. He was a cliche villain. You know what I'm saying? He, he, he had no personality. Terrible. I'm sorry, man. The villain was just horrible. It's just horrible. I, I didn't like the, I didn't like the villain. Right. Who do you at blame? All. Who do you blame for that? Do you do you blame Warner Brothers? Do you blame Snyder? Do you blame Josh Whedon? Who do you blame for Steppenwolf? I do not blame Josh Whedon. Whedon, Whedon, whatever. I blame both Zack Snyder and DC Warner Brothers. They both to blame. Why? Because you know what? Warner Brothers was so eager to extend their universe and hire Zack Snyder to be the creative control of this this universe. Character that was probably fucking cool. We're gonna have to use him. You know, and this is what it seemed like to me. I disagree. I disagree. Hold on. Okay. Okay. All right. Go ahead. Go ahead. And I think, man, for a character like Stephen Wolf, he's and the way the character was done, man, he was powerful. He was kicking the asses, you know what I'm saying? <laughs> then all of a sudden, I was like, oh shit, he's on Superman. You know, he beat the crap out of Stephen Wolf. I do. So if this guy is that powerful with the paradigms and everything, what we what we expect for Dark Side? And that's what I'm talking about. Okay, okay. This is my response to that. I don't, I, I don't blame Zack Snyder for this. I'm going to tell you why. I blame, I blame DC and Warner Brothers, who owns DC, obviously, as everybody knows. Uh, and I do, I, I don't know if I blame Joss Whedon, but I'm thinking about blaming him for this because. Why? Okay, I'm going to tell you why. Because I don't believe that the vision that Zack Snyder had for Steppenwolf was what we got in the movie. I'm not talking about how the character looks. I'm talking about the role he played in the movie. Everybody knows who reads comics. Steppenwolf's not, a, I mean, he's like a henchman, the top henchman, right? He's like a star scream to Megatron or a Goldar to Rita Repulsa. If you're a Power Rangers fan like me, he's not. Yeah, he's the, one of the lieutenants for Dark Side. He's yeah, one yeah. of the lieutenants for Dark Side with um, Mother, with Granny Good. What was that? Granny, yeah. yeah. Granny Goodness, yeah. So he's not the big bad. 
And I think Snyder's remember Justice League originally was supposed to be two parts, but when Snyder had to step away because of that tragedy with his daughter, they said, All right, we're just gonna do one part now. I think Steppenwolf was supposed to play a much smaller role and sit up dark side. And to me Hey, you know what? Go ahead. But you know what? Where you going with this? I see what you're saying. I, I know what you're about to say. What's that? Stephen Wolf, you're right. He should not have been the main character, man. Like you said, it was DC. And I don't, I'm not blaming Josh Whedon on that at all. But don't blame Zack Snyder either, though. No, no, because you know what? Zack Snyder, like I said, man, he's like you said, he's a great visual director, but as storytelling-wise, no. I don't see him putting Stephen Wolf in there, but like I said, to blame also in DC. And like I said, man, Stephen Wolf is really like a minor character. He's in, in the way he was whooping their asses, man. I'm like, damn, dude. I mean, come on. <laughs> I, I want to say. <laughs> here's one thing <laughs> about ahead. Stephen Wolf. The biggest complaint of this movie from every podcast I've listened to, every review I read is Stephen Wolf. Now, you and I just sit here and said, for all Zack Snyder's flaws, He's a good visual storyteller. His movies look great. They may not be great, but they look great. So you're telling me this guy who the best thing about him is he's a a, a great visual storyteller is going to put this piece of shit CGI character as the big bad? I'm just not buying that, man. I, I'm sorry. I'm just going to have to. And I, Maybe you're right. We don't blame Joss. I like Joss uh, a lot, but. It's, it, D, again, it goes back to what I brought up earlier. DC, in particular, Warner Brothers, right? They're too reactionary. And I think they're like, how can we make this movie funny? How can we cut this movie down? People can play BVS was too dour. It was too long. And I think that's why we got the Steppenwolf that we got. I don't think it was Zack Snyder. And the thing is, man, Warner Brothers and DC are playing catch up. And like you said, our reactionary. I think that man, you're not gonna put out great a good product, man. It's not planning. They're not planning. A couple of movies they're gonna bring out, right? Counteract what Marvel has done over the damn what sixteen years? What? Not, uh, how many uh, years? Oh wait, so nine nine oh, years. Yeah, nine years and nine years of fucking Marvel Cinematic Universe, man. It's in eight years. Nine years, I'm sorry, nine years. So DC has come to the point now that we need to catch up. But in order for you to catch up, man, you have to plan accordingly, man, to to storyline, plots, this and that. And they have not done that. It's just like they're pushing a the product, man. They're rushing it out there. They're pushing it. I just want to make and, one know, more it, comment on the CG. The only CG I had a problem with was Steppenwolf. I mean, other than that, I thought it was all passable. The problem I had with this movie visually, besides Steppenwolf, again, we all agree he was he was shit, okay? Uh, the problem I had was this movie felt small in scope and in scale, whereas like BVS and Man of Steel felt like this is a grandiose world and universe, whereas this feels like there you can almost feel them on the back lot at Warner Brothers in L.A. with this movie. <laughs> I said the back lot. <laughs> yeah, like kind of like the, with 89 Batman and 92 Batman Returns. And back then, you know, that that's what you had. You did what, what the best you could. You didn't usually go shoot across the world. But with a movie like this, I mean, you, you could have. 
Yeah, you could have. And I was looking at it. It was a lot of green screen in this movie, man. a whole lot. Green screen or blue screen, whatever. Yeah. Yeah, it was not location-wise, man. I think it was in the tape in New Zealand, I think, some of it. And most probably some in Hollywood. But it it was not a film, I don't believe. Man, is that this movie, like I said, it was okay, but it's not, it was not good. It was entertaining. And it, it had its moments. I will say that. And I'm going to say one of the moments I really like far as the character-wise, man, it was The Flash. Man, you and I, we watched a TV show. Yeah. And I had very, I, had, I was very, very um, skeptical of and The Flash because I'm so used to Gustin series. But all in all, he did a good job of playing The Flash. I mean, he was very lighthearted. He was very naive. He was the the Barry Allen that was very optimistic, you know what I'm saying? So part of the um the movie. His character. And did it take from Wonder Woman? I I love Wonder Woman. She also Gail Gadot did a great job. Uh, Jason Momoa character Aquaman. He, you know, he's on. I'm on a on a fence with him right now. My man. <laughs> so, yeah. <laughs> yeah. So I mean, Cyborg. You know, he he was just there for me. I just. See, I like Cyborg. I thought that he was going to be an awful character, like pigeonholed into this movie. And I thought the CG from what I saw in the trailer may not be good. But I thought I disagree with you. His CG didn't bother me that much. Like, I I even thought it maybe looked better here. This was one of the rare things that looked better here than it did in BBS. And I like how they had the whole thing going, the dynamic with him and Wonder Woman, how she was an outsider and you know, how she comforted him and that relationship. And uh, I really liked uh, Ray Fisher in this movie. Okay. I, you know, I, okay, I see your point. I see your point on that. But the CGI for a cyborg, and I kind of see close to the end when everything was done, I see the progression of them, you know, his body change. You know, he could form, you know, that the cyborg that we know in the comic book and the TV series. You know what I'm saying? see that now. I mean, it's a transformation. Because you know what, just think about it now. Cyborg was more of the catalyst than anybody in the movie. The mother box. Yeah. I kind of say it was one to look at it that way. You I, know? On Ezra Miller, um, in the moment, I really, and I still like Ezra. He's a great actor. In the moment, I enjoyed Ezra Miller. But to me, he was a little bit too much like Peter Parker than he was Barry Allen. Like he was there for the one liner, the comedic relief. And that's more Wally West than it is Barry Allen. Like if you're going to do that, do Wally, don't do Barry. And I was enjoying his flash in the moment. But then I came back the next day and I binge watched like five episodes of Flash to get caught up. And man, Grant Gustin's is so much better in this role. He just is. How many episodes you watched so far? No, I'm caught up on The Flash for this year. So I watched two. The first two episodes of The Flash for season four was terrible. I was like, man, they went downhill. And last season was good until the end, and it kind of fell off a cliff. But, man, it's really picked up the past three or four episodes. So get caught up on that, Amos. But I don't want to be the fanboy who nitpicks that this isn't my Flash because, like, Ezra Miller 
had I not seen and been with Grant Gustin Flash for the past four years, I think it would I would have enjoyed it a little more. But man, you, you read a lot of comics as the eye. We've read DC for a long time. Like Flash can be funny, sure, but he's not really a comic relief character, is he? No, he's really not a comic relief character at all, man. He first of all, in a comic book, he's a forensic a police officer. Yeah, and yeah. He's like that's why Batman and that's why I like the button, the um, the art story arc they had together, Batman and the Flash, because he's like he's like almost a detective, he's a forensic. Man. So he does. He's not a comic relief at all in the comic book, man. He he's more of a um, ray of hope. Yeah, that man with the darkness. He's like the ray of hope, like Superman. He's like hope in people. But the more grounded you know, kind of than he, Superman. Right, yo, he so he gives this, the villains a benefit of a doubt, you know, but you know you're doing something bad, but you, but he has like, what made this person want to do this and that, and he has uh, empathy for these characters, man. That's how Barry Allen is. In the movie, he was more of the comic relief. And this is me being a fan, I, I really like the TV series The Flash, and I like Brian Gut, um, character, I mean, playing The Flash better. Oh man, um, the dynamic of the group wasn't bad. Um, and man, like I said, this it's not like the Avengers. Like everybody had a solo movie leading up to the Avengers, but it was okay, man. So I think I think um, with them putting this stuff together like this, uh, I'm not Grant uh, Gustin. Miller playing the Flash, I think, was pretty, pretty, pretty good. And Ben Affleck, what can I say about the Batman? Batman, but I mean, he's nothing like the um, Kristen Bell Batman. But I think, all in all, man, the Just League, the the, the dynamic they had together was okay. Like I said, yeah. uh, it was pretty good. Well, the the dynamic was good. The back and forth between all the characters was good, considering. This was the first time that all these characters other than the Trinity had been together. But I want to get your opinion on the the Kryptonian elephant in the room here. Uh, Superman. So he was hid from all the marketing. We knew he was in it. I mean, it was the worst kept secret in the history of like comic book spoilers. (laughs) But uh, what did you think of Henry Cavell's Superman in Justice League? Did you enjoy it? Uh, it was a step up from Man of Steel and Batman versus Superman. He smiled more. <laughs> I'm sorry, I mean, I mean he he did. Is, he smiled more in this one, man. He wasn't uh, brooding or looking all confused in this movie here. And I think that's credit too, once again, to Josh. I mean, he probably with all the reshoots, you know, because Superman, honestly, man. He's not like the dark the Batman man. He's all he smiles and he always thinking about truth, justice, and you know the American way. American way. So him not smiling is like, damn, why he's not smiling in these movies? But I think it was pretty good. All the Superman stuff was Josh. You could yeah. tell a hundred. Yeah, well, that's why I see it. Yeah, it's all Josh. Yeah. Yeah. So which is a great thing for him to do that for Superman, Henry Carvel, Superman. But yeah, I, I like this Superman. I like this Superman, not the Man of Steel, 
Superman or the Batman versus Superman. But but here's the problem, Amos, is this isn't the Superman we've gotten so far in this universe, which I like no, this isn't. I like this Superman better too, but in a storytelling like overall plot for this universe, it makes no sense, okay? Because Superman is supposed to be this ray of hope, he's dead, now the world don't know how to function. But he never acted like the ray of hope or the guy who wanted to lead mankind. It was more he was struggling with his place in the world than he was accepting it. So the Superman you get with this cold open when the kids are shooting the YouTube video uh, where he's happy and like you see how much people admired him. Uh, We've never got that Superman until this movie. So it felt weird to see the public within the movie react the way they did to the loss of Superman because they didn't feel this way about Superman before. I mean, they, they, they hated, there was a group, half the populace wanted him executed. It felt like in BVS. They wanted wanted him to leave. They want him to just, why are you doing this? They, some people worship him as a God, you know, stuff like that. But I think going forward, man, they need to have Superman like that. I mean, come on. This, this, Reading, you know, I don't read Superman comic books like no, like that at all. But I read some over the years, you know. And uh, the Christopher Reeves man, Superman was is classic. You know? Yeah, he always smiled and had a great smile and stuff like that. So when Man of Steel came out, and when they took the turn for being the the dark side of it, I mean darker. Yeah, I didn't really appreciate that because I grew up watching Christopher Reeves as Christopher Reeves Superman. I did. You know, and he had hope, and it was fun to watch. Well, let I mean, me sorry, let me give you, you an. Uh, let me, I do. I love man. So let me give you a, a Marvel analogy here. Okay, so we've been with Captain America. Let's say for for two movies. Let's say first Avenger and um, Winter Soldier. Yeah, Winter Soldier. Okay, then in the third movie, Civil War. What if all of a sudden Cap just started acting like Secret Empire Cap out of nowhere? Like See, that I've been off. That'd be that'd be bad. You, you, yeah, that that wouldn't make any sense because that doesn't match the Cap that we've gotten so far in the MCU. Here is the inverse. Like he has been one way for two movies, and now all of a sudden it it's not like a gradual thing, right? It's just. Well, people didn't like how Superman was written, so we're just going to write him the way people set, want him to be written. I mean, that's not good storytelling. That's not a good script writing, man. And once again, it goes back to rushing things and being reactionary. Again, like you said, that's what they do. <laughs> that's what they do. Captain America reference. Because, you know, Captain America is a man out of time, so he's going to yeah. remain. He's going to keep those values, whatever. That did not change in three movies whatsoever, man. No, no, so, and that's that's the way it should be. But I was just trying to get your take. Wouldn't you be? You would be upset, right? Yeah, I'll be upset. I mean, that's going to be against what Captain America really is. I mean, as far as in the comic book and in the movies, because they kept that in all three movies. Captain America was this man who was frozen in ice, coming out of a time that he does not recognize. He kept those values back in the 1940s. It never changed. And I yeah. see you with Superman, and they changed it because of what they want the fans to have. And, but here's the thing and with DC. It. DC has the ultimate, like, get-out-of-jail-free card 
when it comes to the tone of this universe. And that is the flash and his time travel ability abilities and how he can alter reality by changing things. So if they wanted to change the tone of this universe, hell, if they wanted to change the actor playing Batman, my argument would have been to what fast track flashpoint, no pun intended there. And, (laughs) and then do it through that to, there was no excuse, like there was no logical reason of why Superman all of a sudden is the Superman that we know and love. I mean, I'm glad he is. That's what I want to see. Don't get me wrong. But like, again, from a storytelling perspective, it made no sense. No, I ain't even giving him that mustache and it make no sense either. That poor CGI on a mustache removal. <laughs> that, now, that, was was, that was bad CG. <laughs> That was bad, man. That was terrible. That's I get your point. I get your point about the Superman thing. Yeah, that was poor storytelling. And, but then once again, man, they, they like I said, DC and Warner Brothers, they are so hard to try to catch up and and capitalize on a cash cow. But it's just they just need to just start to rebrand. I mean, do stuff over again. In my opinion, with some of their characters. Right. What did you think of Danny Elfman's score? Because I really liked how he intertwined the John Williams Superman stuff and in the, the Batman, yeah, the Batman, Batman uh, Batman, and the Wonder Woman um, themes they had yeah. in each time they showed up. I think that was good, man. I would tell Mark about that, man. I'm like, damn, did Mark I notice did. it? I think he did. When I once I said said it to him over the movie, yeah, and um, it was pretty cool, man. I think that was a good thing to do. You know, each. Character had a like, on on uh, intro, I guess intertwined into the score. That was pretty cool, man. Yeah, and that, the thing is, I didn't listen to the soundtrack ever since. You know, the Phantom Menace, and we got Qui Gon's funeral as one of the titles. I've never listened to movie soundtracks because I don't want to be spoiled. Um, and I will be honest with you: there's one point in this movie where I teared up, and I know this is going to sound dumb. Okay. No, come on, dude. Come on, you tear it up. I didn't even. Why are you gonna tear it up? I did not. Not like I didn't flat out cry, but like speaking of crying, my beagle cookie's crying right now. But uh, (laughs) I kind of welled up when you had Batman charging in with the Batmobile, taking out Parademons, and the '89 Batman theme is playing because. That I never thought in my life I would hear that theme again with Batman coming in to kick ass. And just, like, I know that was me, you know, geeking out there. But, man, I freaking loved it. And, I like, somebody like my wife, Abby, who loves DC, loves Wonder Woman, like, she don't understand that part of it, you know? So And I remember in that scene when he was uh, shooting them down and trying to kill the Parademons. And when I heard the theme, the 89 um, Tim Burton <laughs> Batman theme, and I said, damn, I had a smile on my face. You know, and I thought that was pretty cool. Brad and his dogs, man. <laughs> I had to chase the beagles <laughs> off there. Like, uh, I love beagles. God, they're loud dogs. I had to chase them off like uh, Batman did the parademons there. But, no, <laughs> dude, I love that part. Yeah, but I really had a, smi- I had a smile on my face when I saw that, when I heard that intro, I mean, the theme song from the 89 movie, man. I, I, I had actually liked you know, when we saw the Batman tactical suit that he wore in the steels, I was like, this looks like shit. This looks like Night Owl from The Watchmen. But, like, seeing that suit in action, 
I like that. And I liked how Batman was using his tech, like how in, in the movie, I, I don't know how I felt about it, but I reflected on it, like how he had the big bat digging machine and his big, like, it, it wasn't the bat jet. It was more it was like a transport. A, it was like more of a transport. Jet. I mean, like a cargo jet. It was like, yeah, I like the Batmobile. Because it it even it evened the uh, him with the other Justice League, right? That was what he could bring to the table. I know it was a joke. What's your superpower? I'm rich, but I mean, which is true. Which is, which is true. He have the money to do it. Well, that and he sacrificed, you know, his whole life to fight this war on crime and and train with you know Ra's al Ghul or, or, or fill in the blank, depending on which version of Batman we're talking about. But but yeah, so I thought it was cool to see them play with the more fantastic we've seen the bat jet the bat pod the the batmobile so it was and i'm glad we got the batmobile again don't get me wrong but it was cool to see some other like more outside the box like batman vehicles and um actually yeah different gadgets too in this one too like you know he fight he fighting parademons man he's just a human with all these gadgets and everything. He had like a, a bomb, a, a grenade. I'm like, okay, that's cool. I, and he had, this time around, he had this tech, he was find, trying to find a way to have the advantage. He was in Steppenwolf, right? So he got this sound that they made that attracted them. I'm like, okay, that's cool. Using more of his skills of um, this detective and just the ingenuity and his um, money you know, find a way to kind of counteract the paradigm. I thought it was pretty cool too for doing that, man. He had more stuff in this movie than he had in Batman versus Superman at that. I know that much. I left this movie wanting two things, Amos. And I know you may think I'm crazy. I yep. want, I wanted to see the twenty years that this Batman experienced in Gotham. I want to see what the Ben Affleck Batman went through. I want to see a trilogy with that. Even if they go and do it as a prequel with Jake Gyllenhaal, I want to see this Batman story. This Alfred, Jeremy Irons is fantastic as Alfred. He's a great partner in the war on crime. That's the first thing I wanted to see leave. And number two, I know you're going to think I'm crazy. I want to see a Zack Snyder ultimate cut of this movie. I pass on that because I saw the ultimate cut. I mean, the director's cut the Batman versus Superman. I didn't care much for it. Really? I don't want to see the ultimate cut. No, I do not. See, I thought I it was not. way better. Yeah, I mean, I might change my mind if I see it again, but I don't know, man. I'm not one of the. I mean, our ultimate cut. Let me ask. But you I would this. say this. I would say this though, help me cut you off. Oh no, no, I go ahead. Your podcast. I'm sorry. Um, <laughs> uh, Bat, Bat, Ben Affleck character the old batman i kind of agree with you on this about what made him go this way because he is so he was in the batman versus superman he was so violent yeah but then he was just tired you know of these criminals man he was like really man doing bad i mean things that's breaking him arms and stuff like that and what made him change over the years you know once I, i would like to see that too you know, the the older Batman. It was like you said, it has to be Ben Affleck. It could be somebody else playing this character. So, and I would like to see that. That's a great that's a great point right there, man. Because he, he sees the not after doing justice, this Batman right here, he sees things differently. Yeah. You know, it's not him fighting crime in Gotham. It's a way bigger world out there. You know what I'm saying? You got aliens, you got Amazon um god gods, you got a damn 
uh, uh, Aquaman. What's them? Uh, what you call them? Atlant- Atlanteans. Atlanteans, right? So you got different things out there in the world, and this is this is new to Batman. You know what I'm saying? He's just not fighting Gotham anymore. This is the whole world. So his take his take on seeing doing things is different now. It, it will know, be an injustice if we don't see that story of what happened to Ben Affleck Batman. Like, how did Robin get killed? I mean, we know it's the Joker, right? Because you and I know Batman. But, like, just because every version of Batman is different, right? The Bell, the 89, the 66. And, I, like, I want to see this version. I see that. I see your point. I see your point. You know, now move from Batman Think about the supporting cast that they had in there, such as Cyborg's dad, uh, John. What's his name? Joe Joe Martin, I think. Martinson, the played Cyborg dad. What you think about him? Yeah, as you said about Alfred, you like Alfred. Alfred was pretty good, I think, as supporting cast. Oh yeah. So, I, uh, I, I, love, I, I love the line that the Jeremy Irons Alfred has when they're. They're on the uh, the private jet flying, and it's Bruce and it's Alfred. And Alfred says, "We've come a long way from ex- John exploding penguins to now this." And it's like, I want to see that story with the John you know, that, exploding that, penguin. That's what I want to see. I know, you know I'm a broken record. I'm sorry. I mean, with the Tim Burton Batman with the penguin, the penguins walking with torpedoes. Back and everything like that. That's that line. I thought about the Tim Burton penguin. Yeah, and the thing is, like, is that what they're talking about? Is this supposed to be like the same Batman as the '89 Batman? No, it's probably not. But it's it's never clarified. You know. That's true. That's true. That's but so Cyborg's dad, he he was okay, I guess. I mean. Yeah, he's a good actor too, man. He's on Scandal. Well, he was. I never watched Scandal, but he's a good actor. He's in other movies too. He was in Terminator Judgment Day, the oh, creator he, of the uh, Cybernet, <laughs> Cyberdyne. Yeah, Cyber. Yeah. So yeah, he's he, once again he playing a damn professor. <laughs> but yeah, he's Dude, a good actor, man. You just blew my mind. I didn't know that was the guy who uh, came that was in Terminator Two. I see it now, but I didn't get it in the moment. Yes. Hey, speaking of something like that, yes. the guy that played Henry Allen, Billy Kudrup or whatever, uh, he was Doctor Manhattan. So there's a yeah. So there's a Zack Snyder callback. So that was cool. Yeah, yeah, right. You're right about that. Yeah, um, homage to um superhero movies. Um, the not the um. The prison guard that was um, talking to Barry Allen, the Flash, about to see his dad. That is Jimmy Olsen from the old Christopher Reeves Batman. Superman, Christopher Reeves Superman. Oh, really? See, I didn't know that. That's cool. I like stuff like that. He was the actual, he was a Jimmy Olsen in the Superman, the Christopher Reeves Superman. Which I said I kind of find it. I kind of find kind of um. Like as a geek, I said, "Damn, that's cool that got him in there." What? Cool. What do you think of the post credits? Uh, uh, spoilers. Everybody's about, about to get to that. The spoilers, the post credit scenes. Yeah. I like the Flash and 
in the Superman uh, race. That kind of uh, throwback to the comic book. You know, who was the fast, the fastest man alive? <laughs> and uh, cool. Les Luther is in and meeting up with Deathstroke. Spoiler alert: If no one's seen the movie, this was what happened. I'm like, oh shit, Deathstroke, and I like the suit. The one on the arrows, uh, it was neat, man. He met up with him, and he was talking about that Superman and Batman now got their little club, whatever. And he said, "Oh, we need to start our new." Like, oh crap! Legion of Doom. <laughs> oh my goodness! Is it Legion of Doom, the Injustice League, the Society of Evil Evils, super villains, whatever? Whatever it is, it's it's a, it's bad guys together. That's all you got to say. <laughs> I, I, I said, "Damn, man! I mean, come on!" I, but you know what? Though? I think that was a good idea for them to do bit out there. They did like a Marvel style end credit, wasn't it? At all? You know? Yeah. Love that. Back there, man. <laughs> yeah that that uh that uh suit was legit with Deathstroke. Like, I like the Arrow Deathstroke. But like this one is like it was like geekasm worthy if you're a DC Comics fan. It was really awesome. Yes, I really enjoyed it. It was really awesome. Uh, it was nice, man. It was a nice Deathstroke suit, man. Even with the the pet, the eye patch and the gray hair, I, I like this. And that's so, uh, what Joe Magliano, the guy from yeah, True Blood. Right. Yes. Yeah, right. And Magic Mike. I know you like Magic Mike, right? I've never seen Magic Mike, but right. I, I, I'm just playing with you, Brad. I've heard this actually better than people think. Say, you know, I know that's a joke, but uh, I want to uh, say real quick: the Flash and Superman race that was like a DC fans' dream, right there. I mean, that like I, I don't know if I was ever happier at the movies this year, with maybe the exception of when Wonder Woman comes out into that trench. That may right. have been the happiest I've been at the movie theater this year. And it was all, you know, it was just, it was a wink and nod to DC fans. Yeah, because it was kind of cool to see that. Because in the movie, when uh, Superman was kicking a butt, <laughs> and you see the Flash running towards Superman, Superman eyes, his corner, corner of his eye looking at Barry, and Barry looking at him like, you're like, oh, crap. <laughs> you know, someone could actually see the Flash. Yeah. He, and when he saw that, he said, "Oh crap!" So that was probably that was kind of cool at the end to see him those two race man, see who's the fastest man. Because that was so, I geeked out when I saw that. Like, damn, they really Me going too. back to this right here. It was the throwback to the comic book man, who's the, the fastest man alive? Story arc they had, whatever. That was good, man. Do you think we'll ever see I anything, think, uh, anything come of that second post credit scene, or do you think it'll just fall? into the wasteland like we'll never see anything with Deathstroke and the Injustice League or, or Legion of Doom whatever the thing is this guy you know Deathstroke was attached to the Batman movie remember yeah. oh, what's going to happen to that you know and there's been rescripted different directing whatever so hopefully get that Deathstroke in that Batman movie but I think that was pretty cool to bring in Deathstroke to meet up with Lex Luthor, because I really don't care much of um to play Lex Luthor. Axenberg, I don't care much for his Lex Luthor, but 
Jesse Eisenberg. Hopefully. Yeah, Jesse Eisenberg. Hopefully, he probably toned it down some with the Lex Luthor, the way he did a Batman versus Superman, and be more of a, collect, a calm and collective Lex Luthor, you know? But uh, I don't know, man. This post credit scene right here at the end, man, I hope they go forward with this, but you got Dark Side coming, man. I mean, of the next, if there be another Justice League movie in the making, I don't know. So we'll see. Uh, Jesse Eisenberg's Lex Luthor, my wife absolutely despises that Lex Luthor, but he has grown on me because I, I like to think it's the. It's a different take on Lex. It's the young, eccentric, uh, you know, billionaire, inventor, scientist type. And I don't know. That was different than just the old, bald Lex Luthor. So he's grew well, you know, But the old Lex Luthor, man, the bald, if you read the comics, man, he, he thinks he's doing great about, for the human race because he doesn't like Superman because Superman's an alien and he doesn't know. It's all out of fear. But that Lex Luthor, man, is more of a – he's cold, calculated – you know, yeah, and uh, not eccentric, but I want that Lex Luthor, man. You know, I don't want the eccentric everywhere personality and this and that and talking all fast and you want to jolly rancher bullshit. I don't need that. <laughs> I'm sorry. Yeah, yeah. No, I mean, no. I see your point too, but I, they were going for something different. But I mean, I, I don't, I don't know if anything will ever come of that post. I think we'll see Deathstroke in a Batman movie. Because it seems like that's in the works with Matt Reeves. Well, it may be Jake Gyllenhaal not being. We'll see. Uh, but as far I don't think we're going to see Jesse Eisenberg, Lex Luthor anytime soon. Let's see him no time soon. Sorry. I mean, I don't care much for him playing Lex Luthor at all. That's like my opinion, you know. So, yo, so I'm going to go ahead and close it out on my Just Being Any podcast. But before I close it out with you, Brad, I want to give your, your the rating, your your take on it. I know you got epic, you know, confirmed epic, and you know, good, <laughs> yeah, bad, and everything. Yeah. But what is your what is your take on it? How you rate this movie? On a one to five scale. No, I'm, I'm gonna do your rating this time. Okay, so, rating, not the one to five. I would say so. Crap, ad, good, great, epic. I will say that. I mean, as an in-theater, I know this is a cop-out kind of, as an in-theater experience, I thought it was like a good and a half. It was very enjoyable. It was not anything special, but it wasn't bad either. But, like, when you look at it in the grander scheme of comic book movies and the DCEU overall, like, I think it's it's good. Three out of five, it's it's good. I'm going to, I've already pre-ordered it on 4K Blu-ray, like, I will watch this movie probably three or four more times in my life for sure. But it, it's it just like I've waited my whole life for a Justice League movie. And it was a just it was just good and it should have been epic. Okay. <clears throat> this is my this is how I'm gonna rate it, you know. I totally agree with you. I'm I was one of those who wanted a Justice League movie for years. You know, it was talk about it many years ago, right? And yeah. um and I, so far, like I said, you know, with the way Marvel did Avengers, that's the way I want my superhero team to be. Well, that's what you got. This is a copy of Avengers. <laughs> yeah, a copy. I got a, a copy. Yeah, right. <laughs> I got a copy. I have a clone, a copy. <laughs> yeah. And, so, and me looking at this movie, man, it was okay. It was not great. 
Hey, so I'm like I said, my scale is gonna be one to five. Mm-hmm. Five. I give it a three. All right, give, that's higher than I thought you would. Yeah, I give it a three, man. That's saying a lot for me because, like I said, I'm very critical of the DC movies, man, and and that is saying a lot. And like I said, the movie had its ups and downs, and 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 it could have been better. Oh, yeah. If it had more more stuff to it, you know, fleshed out the characters more too at that. But that's that's once again, like I said, DC is once again a reactionary and have they're not planned it the way they should have. You know, if you flesh out the character like they did Wonder Woman, then she had a solo movie, right? If you had Aquaman had a solo movie, but the Flash solo movie, then it's just a lead movie. Then to me. I will probably enjoy it more because I know the characters. But I know the characters because I'm a comic book reader. Yeah. But for the general population, for a regular audience, they don't know this. Let me ask you a final question. So we gave our ratings. I want to close uh, with a final question, if you don't mind. Uh, Where do you want to see? Where do you want to see the DCEU go now? Like, what do you want to happen next? Like if you were put in charge and they said, Amos, you're the Kevin Feige for the DCEU, like what would be your plan? Would you get rid of it? Would you retcon it? What would you do? Oh man, I'd do a whew, that's a good one. I had to do a real hard reboot. Really? You would scrap all yeah. this. What about Gal Gadot Wonder Woman? Keep her. But keep her character. I mean, keep her movie. Well, I mean, let me say, let me rephrase, let me let me rephrase that right there, because the question you asked me is right on the spot. And the thing is this: I did, yeah. What they need to do is what they need to do is this, man. They need to like learn from the mistakes what they did wrong with their characters, and probably, like I said, go forward. And and they probably have to retcon some stuff a little bit. In Flashpoint, the stuff they put they out, could do that. In Flashpoint, they could do that in Flashpoint, hopefully. You know, but then Flashpoint in itself, man, is a whole lot of stuff, dude. Just mm-hmm. think about it. You know, you know, Batman and not Batman, Bruce Wayne, Thomas Wayne. You got the Amazons and the I mean, uh, Aquaman going at each other's throat. You know, you got other characters that people never seen before. If they would they ever put those characters in there, they go a different route with Flashpoint. You can't do a retcon if you do Flashpoint, but just that's kind of hard to do, man. I th- I think Just it will be it. I think Flashpoint will be like Civil War like it will be a take on Flashpoint but it won't be Flashpoint as we know it just like the Captain America Civil War wasn't the Civil right. War that you and I know from the comics. Yeah, yeah, well you know because Flashpoint was actually our alternate reality. Yeah, in the comic book. Oh yeah. That, what if that Superman was never found? What if? Batman, Bruce Wayne was never Batman. Thomas Wayne was Batman. You know, it's what if. So, I mean, they could go the Civil War route and try to use those kind of elements in the Flashpoint. But we'll see, man. But I think they need to just retcon some of the stuff they did, like with the Suicide Squad. You know, do that. No, and do some of that over with again. But going forward, man, I think they need to do that, man. I mean, probably don't change anything. I like Gal Gadot as Wonder Woman. You know, Ben Affleck not a bad Batman, and you know, but depends who's writing the story. You understand who's writing the script for the movie? I'll say this: 
Here's what I would do. I would. They need to find their Kevin Feige, and that ain't Jeff Johns. Like I love Jeff Johns, like, but he's a comic book writer. He's not somebody that can head a subdivision of a studio, which is basically what the DCEU is. But so the crazy part is both him and um, uh, John, they both was on the Richard Donner, which is so funny. Richard Donner was Christopher Reeves. Yeah. So I, I believe Jeff Johns can some kind of way get it together, you know, because he's so into the he's so into the industry, the comic book industry. He knows it. Because by the way, the man is still writing comic books, dude. Yeah. You know, the latest one is doing the, um, the Doomsday Clock. That's the latest thing he got for DC, which, by the way, I'm going to read when I get off this podcast with you. Here's what I would do. I mean, I keep Jeff Johns around. I would make David S. Goyer the Kevin Feige. No, no, no. no, That's, no, I, I, no, he, he, no. Knows, he knows movies. He knows comic books. Like, I, I'm, I'm no. sorry. No, this will, you and I disagree. No. no. All right. Uh-uh, no. Okay, but here's what I, I think they should do movie-wise. They should do finish the Wonder Woman trilogy, do an Aquaman trilogy, do a Flash trilogy, do a solo Batman trilogy, right? You don't have to do a Cyborg trilogy if you don't want to. Just intertwine. No, you Cyborg as you Cyborg as a um like they use um Asian Coast and just put him in. No, use him like they do Hulk, like bring him Hulk. up here and there, you know. But he's don't give him his own movie because I just don't think he can carry his own movie. Not the actor. I'm talking about the character. Uh, yeah, I, I agree with you on that one. And then, so let that play out over the course of 12 years. So in our ten, let's say 10 years. And then in 2026, 2027, whatever, then do a Justice League movie where they fight Dark Side, do Dark Side War, and, and end this and, thing. <laughs> and that's what they should have done in the first place. I know, but it's not too late. No, it's not too late because they only got like what five five movies yeah. so far. And I know so that this movie didn't make much money, but all Warner Brothers has really is the DC movies, Harry Potter, and Lord of the Rings. And both Harry Potter and Lord of the Rings are past the prime. They have good boys. You got Fantastic Beasts coming out. You got two more movies. So the, that's all. That's the franchise that really keeping Warner Brothers in business. Honestly, man, it's those three franchises, man. Yeah. You franchise need to make them make them money, because right now they're not making the billions of dollars they think they're making, man. Because right now you look at the um, superhero um, movies, Disney got and Fox, Disney got this thing on lock, man. As far as making money, here's the thing: Dude, look at the money money Dude, they put out with the movies. They can't worry about Disney either. They gotta they gotta come up with their own tone. They, they got to decide, do we want to be dark and gritty? Do we want to be, you know, light and humorous? They have to make that decision and, because right now they're trying to do both, and that just doesn't work. You know, that's just a conundrum. Yeah. <laughs> that's what it is. Now, and I you, would say they're dark, trying to keep it to the Sorry, I would to say the dark, dark and gritty because that would give them a dichotomy from Marvel. But go ahead, Amos. Sorry. Yeah, so I mean, they try to, I guess, cater to the fans, see what the fans want. But at the same time, man, you got to do what I think is going to be right for the franchise. 
you know, fans are going to hate it and like it, you know, and the people going to watch it. So you got to figure out what's good for the franchise because you don't want this franchise to go under. Yeah. At all. You really don't, man, because beloved fans who've been reading the comic books for damn 50 years, you know, they love these characters. And you got the regular Joe, Joe who never watched a damn superhero movie, goes in there and said, man, I want to check this out. And if it's not appealing to them, they don't want to go see it again. It's like uh, the guys that saw Deathstroke in my theater and it's like, it's Deadpool. No, it's not. God almighty. And that's the problem. <laughs> <laughs> I, I, and here is, uh, so if, and, and then here would be my final thought. If they really want to give up on this, fine. Get rid of all of it. And just do Wonder Woman movies, and then let Matt Reeves cast Jake Gyllenhaal and just do Batman movies. Because right now it's proven we know Batman. Unless you do a dog shit like Batman and Robin, Batman's gonna make a ton of money. And we know Gal Gadot, Wonder Woman, people love her, so they can't go wrong with those two things, right? No, you can't go wrong for those two things because right there, those the two movies that's going to make you money. Yeah. And then, like you said, let them go ahead and do a trilogy for those characters, man. And, you know, and go ahead and put one uh, uh, movie, Just League movie. That's, that's the formula for having a, uh, a good team movie, man. I mean, shoot. Mm-hmm. What you got to do? But, like I said, I gave it a three, you know, and out of uh, five, my, my rating, which is good. You know, that's, that's pulling teeth with me. <laughs> really. <laughs> so... Yeah, three out of five. That's what I got to say. So, Brad, it's always a pleasure, man, to have you on this podcast. It's just being Amos podcast. And, you know, man, always, uh, you know, keep reading your books and keep giving me your ideas of what needs to be talked about and stuff like that. Oh, yeah. And I just want to say thank you for having me on. And I'm sorry the Beatles were loud, number one. And number two, I'm sorry if I talked over you that wasn't my intention again listeners we were just kind of on an audio delay recording online and yeah and you know you know you're not not a jerk man you know not to me anyway i don't know how you is to everybody else but hey you're not a jerk to me but i know the dogs are nothing man because hell last time i had a cat on my damn um podcast so hey cats aren't loud though they're just annoying uh with uh as far as am I a jerk, I just try to be the man that, you know, Man of Steel, Superman, Zack Snyder, Superman inspired me to be. So whatever that whatever that makes me, you know, I, 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 he was an ideal that we could aspire toward. <laughs> Point taken. <laughs> uh, so how can people reach you on Brad on your social media? Follow me on uh, Twitter at the Real Brad Bell. That's the number one way to get a hold of me. D R E E L Brad Bell. Find my podcast, the Confirmed Epic Podcast, at Geeks Worldwide, dgww.com, and the Epic Review, thepicreview.com. Follow me on Instagram at Confirmed Epic Podcast. Uh, we're going to be doing Jerry, Andrew, and I are recording live and in person our Justice League podcast tomorrow. And uh, I can't wait to hear those guys take, and we're going to dive deep into it. Okay, cool. And also, you could catch me on my social media at Just Being Amos on Twitter. And also, you can check out my website at JustBeingAmos.com. And also on Facebook. Those are all the things I got on social media. So I hope you guys enjoyed this podcast. I know I did with Brad today. And I'll holler at you guys later. Peace.
just being humans.